the real hosts. We're back. You know, I did. So I don't know if you noticed this. I did one of these by myself. While uh, since we chatted last on this podcast, I don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> All I do is make this podcast. I, I did one on my own, and I actually, actually do. I actually do listen. I had my good buddy on, who's like a Matt Kuchar super fan, following the British Open. Aren't for those like, people really funny? And goofy. They're, they're, they're beautiful, like, beautiful humans. They're like your little brother who never <laughs> did anything but smile. To be fair, he's kind of like my quasi-retarded older brother. So you know, it's basically the same thing. It's it's awesome. <laughs> anyway, it's really good to have you back. It, it's you know, despite it's, what you know, every other podcast we do at the Golf Guide Podcast, they're all good. But when we're together, they're super good. They're great. They're phenomenal. I, I missed even if it's for my own selfish enjoyment standpoint. Uh, well, I love to see you, Kyle, and I, uh, I I do miss sitting in this nondescript office. Although there are turkeys out the window from time to time. Sure, golf has somehow gone on without us together. In the meantime, there were a couple of majors. Mm-hmm. They were good, mm-hmm. but not great. Sure. Well, and so we're going to talk about that. But yeah, we're Kyle. You and I are playing golf together. Mm-hmm. Next Which we weekend, don't get to do wonderful. often enough. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the romance is blooming again. <laughs> Thank goodness. <Yeah. laughs> uh, which is great. But get, getting back to what you are saying before. So, two major championships have happened since we last sat down and did one of these podcast thingamajiggers. All right? So, I thought it would be appropriate now with all four majors of 2017 in the rearview mirror to sit back and, and reflect a little bit on what we thought as 2000 you know thought of 2017 as a whole because you know there are a lot of golf nerds out there that are going to be watching the Dell Technologies Championship this weekend okay. follow the FedEx Cup very very closely and i i have a lot of admiration for those people they are they are better golf fans than i am but as a generalist and as somebody who likes to take a look at the uh, the in, the entirety of a professional season i it just seems like it's most appropriate to look back on this year's majors as a way to evaluate how good the year was in golf. Yeah, it's what matters. It's what matters. So the rest of it is, you know, if you happen to you know be at home on a Sunday and you remember that the tournament's on or, yeah, you know, you see the rerun on the Golf Channel late at night on a Friday after you're, you know, back from the bars or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. that's when I watch golf. Yeah, 100%. But for the majors, I watch... Every minute, Thursday through Sunday. I would tell, you know, the governor of this great state or my closest family member or a a dying orphan that, you know, I just don't have time for you (laughs) when these major championship rounds are on. This is serious stuff. You know, know, how about this? Most of us, you know, we've got uh, significant others or whatever the case may be. And in the course of life, for these important sports moments... You are doing great if you have a significant other and a family who you live with who don't stop you from watching it. You know, they understand that it's a priority. That's a big a big win. A bigger win. And almost nobody gets to this level of victory. It's very Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky kind of dominance. Is to have a significant other who cares for you so much that they aren't even there. <laughs> Like, you can sit in your house and watch the last round of the Masters at the U.S. Open, 
And, and okay, some of them like golf, and maybe it's nice to watch with them. We don't know. Maybe. Scientists are researching <laughs> that question. But some of them are like, oh, I'm going to go to my mother's for the weekend. I'm going to go on a vacation by myself, and the kids and I are going to go to Disneyland. It's like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> You do love me. Yeah, exactly. That's what love is. Yeah. yeah. We wanted to know what love is. You know, s- singers have asked the question. Mm-hmm. And now we know it's leaving town for major championship weekend. D- dare I ask, were you afforded the oh, luxury no. of watching the, the last even, several majors in solitude? I don't even live with mine. Oh. So it's easy. Then. Oh, very easy. Oh, well, good for you. Well, but going a whole weekend without seeing your significant other when the majors are on. I mean, there's the evening. So I, e- you don't e- need to, I, but do. I need I need to eat. I need to have dinner. You know, but there is golf central. That often goes deep into the the evenings on the weekend. Yeah, on those major weekends, they don't rest. Yeah, but I'm talking about an honest to god wife or significant other who lives with you. Oh, I mean that's what could you do? Oh, thankfully that is that is far you know, in the not too distant. Well, it's, it isn't not, current, it's in the not, not too distant present. For, yeah, not too distant <laughs> present. <because laughs> oh shit! All right. Well, that being said, let's work backwards a little bit. Now, obviously, 2017, you know. The majors, I think, were memorable. I, I think people will remember um, a couple of the majors from this year. I don't think they'll remember all four. Yes. It was a, a very median kind of major year. Not bad. Yeah, it was a, Not a, great. It was a, a B or a B minus major year. A okay. B. It was a B. Okay. Yeah, a B. All right. So let's work our way backwards because eventually when we get to the, the Masters and Sergio Garcia's masterpiece, there's some other Augusta news that we'll... Uh, We'll get to when we get there. So, but let's work our way backwards. The last, uh, the last major of the year, Justin Thomas finally prevails after two just brutal, excruciating years of not being able to win a major. Justin Thomas finally breaks through at the age of twenty-three or twenty-four. Thank goodness. We, it feels like we're waiting for a lifetime. He does it at Quail Hollow, a course that has been on, you know on tour as a regular stop at the Wells Fargo Championship for years on end. However, this year it looked different. There had been a lot of uh, changes made to the golf course by Tom Fazio. Initial thoughts on the 2017 PGA Championship, on Justin Thomas, on the golf course. I don't really care where you go. Just, you know, initial thoughts on on the championship since I I haven't seen you and we haven't talked golf since then. If you don't feel like I did about the PGA, you're probably really fucking stupid. <laughs> so it's it's very simple. It's nothing that hasn't been said. Uh, tournament kind of sucked until Sunday. Yes. It was real tedious. Mm-hmm. And Sunday was good. Yeah. It was a very good round of golf. Sunday was good. So that's that. Golf course, terrible. Yeah. Completely forgettable, horrible golf course. Um, we've all known it. Uh, Quail Hollow was only ever good when you know Rory McIlroy was like dick slapping everybody with his towering iron shots, and you you had some good Quail Hollow memories, notwithstanding. And despite the fact that the golf course is totally mediocre and forgettable, so we never need to go back there. No, it's enough already. So there's that. Justin Thomas, I'm very pro JT, very pro Justin Thomas. Pro JT. I, I have to say something here, and this actually, say you know what? Casey, I'm not, say it. No, I'm. You know what? 
because I'm such a skilled radio host, I am going to keep it mm. in the back pocket until we talk about the other major. Mm. The uh, other major we haven't spoken about to yes. our fans since it happened. See. And the Open Championship is what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So, Justin Thomas. We've all seen him interviewed a bunch before. He's won a bunch of times on tour, like three times this year before the PGA. Right. And he won last year. Mm-hmm. So... He's been interviewed a lot. He's a known quantity to a, to a point. But he is very charming and down-to-earth sounding and Agreed. really not obnoxious at all. Uh, he seems genuine with all of his politeness and praise. He has the right amount of confidence and, and sort of peevishness about bad shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really fantastic. I'm a huge fan of this guy. If you dislike Justin Thomas, you are really digging. I mean, you you are actively trying to find a reason to not like somebody. Exactly. If you're anti-Justin Thomas. Exactly. The the social media golf uh, jerk-off scene that we all are <laughs> sort of on the periphery of. Sure. <laughs> they have been on Justin Thomas for a long time now because he's obviously been a touted amateur and college player. Really, really good ever since he turned pro, but not able, or not able, I mean, just before and premature to winning those big tournaments where the general public would understand how good he is. And so gamblers, fantasy players, he's been the real darling, fans. darling of all of those scenes. And all those guys always liked him, and he's part of that southern golf uh you know, cute kind of scene where, you know, you've got the image. So he's he's had the image. But lo and behold, like, not only does he have the image, and he's from that, that culture and that character, and he's had the hipster gambler fantasy scene on, on his side, but he's a good guy. And how can you not like him? And he plays a cool golf game. Yes. He, he is not a giant. He's in good shape. He bombs the shit out of it. He has an exciting golf swing that's fun to watch. Good putter, good short game, uh, charisma. Not a robot. Really, really excellent player. Nothing to to denigrate. He's got a little bit of the the Steph Curry aura about him in that, like, physically, nothing stands out about Justin Thomas that makes him identifiably different than any other golfer who's not overweight like you know he's just a normal guy he's you know relatively tiny in frame and stature and just has a beautiful golf swing and he somehow uses every bit of torque and energy he has in his 160 pound frame to just belt the living shit out of the ball and people see like me see justin thomas like you know what i'm skinny i have an eating disorder and i could swing the golf i can swing a golf club like that i can do it and i I don't know something about that is very very appealing a guy that doesn't seem, although, I guess to be fair, a lot of golfers aren't really that physically impressive. But Justin Thomas, especially because he's kind of slight of frame and still hits the ball 300 plus yards in the air. It's just something that is really impressive and not relatable, but somehow identifiable by people like me, which you know you don't get from other golfers. Exactly, exactly. I mean, he has never been an underdog. He's been a touted player for a long time. But you look at his body and you look at the way he swings and he just goes all out at the shot, 
but he has a beautiful swing nonetheless. And it contrasts to somebody like McElroy, where you look at him and you're even before he was, you know, a gym a gym rabbit, uh, <laughs> he a gym hare. Yes, he uh, bombed it, and he had a similar swing based on just smoothness and length and nothing getting in the way. It wasn't really relatable because nobody's swinging that well. No. And Justin Thomas has a great great swing. He but swings on his toes. If you ever watch Justin Thomas swing in, in slow motion, at the point of impact, Homie is on the balls of his feet, and it like it looks like he is trying to jump, and but it's somehow still beautiful. I, I don't know how he does it. Yeah, and he doesn't have kind of that placid aura about him when he mm-hmm. swings because of his eyes they're kind of beady and big in a good way i think he, sure. has, he has nice yeah, eyes yeah they're he's, lovely yeah, he's got nice eyes but he doesn't seem like he's just some fucking you know uh cruise control guy yeah out there sure and yet he's not a pain in the ass and the golf swing is exactly the same way like it's it's under control but it's fearsome and it's different and things go wrong sometimes mm-hmm Fun player to watch. I agree. Very, very fun to watch. And, I mean, it, it was a nice bookend. I mean, granted, I mean, there, there's still a couple tournaments left this year. But, it, you know, it's a nice bookend on a season that was very, very strong for him. It started incredibly well. I mean, he wins twice in Hawaii to start the season out. And then he finishes it with a PGA Championship. All in all, pretty good. Pretty, oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty well, good. I love those stories that came out after the PGA about, you know, text messages from people saying, you know, it was Justin Thomas texting them back in uh, the spring saying, you know, I'm going to win a major this year. I just don't know which one. And Pretty the, baller. The guy knows how good he is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, no, PGA got salvaged off the scrap heap. I agree. Uh, right there at the end. Did you hear about how most of the players i mean obviously it sounds like you know the verdict is in for you regarding the golf course I have a mud ball <laughs> the players hated quail hollow quail hollow blows and it blows especially when it's wet it it looked like it was desperately trying to be augusta and Ugh. not succeeding did, did you get it, that vibe when you're no, like watching it on on tv i mean if if it was so shitty that I'd, Augusta <laughs> never even entered my mind. <laughs> it just, I mean, oof! If that's what they're trying for, it was a, a especially embarrassing failure. As as a golf podcast host, I should know this, but apparently there was some correlation between the Augusta turf crew and somebody who had worked there was working at Quail Hollow, and you know that they were trying to get some of those Augusta e vibes. Um, it just didn't work. It didn't work at all. No. I felt, I mean. You can only do so much. They Again, they got bailed out because the tournament ended up being good on Sunday. The champion was excellent. But I, I don't need to see Quail Hollow in the major championship rotation again. I think from a, a PR standpoint for golf, there's a lot that needs to be done for it. And it's never going to bounce back to where it was with Tiger in the foreseeable future. But mm-hmm. in, in terms of these major championships that people watch, okay, there's Augusta. Like it's it's pornographic in its beauty and attention to detail and everybody knows it, so it's got its own thing. For the other majors, British Open, okay, its own thing. So let's narrow it down to the US Open and the PGA, the two kind of flex majors. Sure. They need to be put at golf courses that are kind of scenic and have something distinctive about them. And maybe that doesn't sound like the right way to go, and maybe there's good golf courses that would get 
discriminated against for not meeting those standards. Mm-hmm. But I, I have to think that the world of sport and the public cares more about a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do or, care more. Yeah. And when these tournaments are at nondescript venues, it, it, it damages them. It has to. And some of them are traditional, and that's fine and dandy, but think about one that does both. Uh, Marion. Mm-hmm. It happened to be a great tournament. Super cool. Mm-hmm. The fucking baskets. I'm telling you, the baskets. It matters. If you're not going to have the ocean, you might as well have some motherfucking baskets. It, people it, it will paid save atten- everything. People paid attention to that tournament yeah. because there were baskets. <laughs> I swear to God. And and they should have. Baskets are cool. Yeah. And it's the same thing with these courses that happen to be dramatic. I love baskets. Yeah, yeah. Dramatic. And Quail Hollow was tedious and forgettable and yeah. had absolutely no character. I can already tell you that several weeks removed from the PGA Championship, do you know how many holes I really clearly remember? I, I don't I don't remember any. So if you remember any of them. 18 because it kind of sucked. And the tournament finished on 18. So it was the last I, piece yeah, of the golf course I that I saw. That and I guess... Was it 17, the par 3 that Justin Thomas just hit that fucking oh, hero shot? That was quite the, good. Every other guy at the top of the leaderboard was bailing out to the right side of the green and leaving themselves a 50-plus foot putt for birdie if they managed to hit the green at all. And Justin Thomas said, I'm going to put my dick on the table right now and knock it to 10 feet, tapping for birdie and put the put a wrap on this thing. And maybe the most impressive golf shot, in my opinion, of the tournament. Yeah. But really, the only other hole that I remember from Quay Hollow, and it has more to do with Justin Thomas's heroics than it does the golf course. Yeah, I mean, on yeah. Sunday, I finally started to internalize some of the holes because interesting things were happening sure. for once. <laughs> and it could have been so good, too. I mean, you look at the leaderboard, and okay, it took a, a few days for the names to sort of rise to the top, the cream. That's typical. Yeah. And we had a bunched leaderboard. Like it, it could have been wonderful mm-hmm. if the course was just more memorable. Because anytime you have a dogfight like that among guys you've heard of, okay, not a lot of um, former major champions, but among the non-former major, you champions, didn't think a lot Kevin of... Kisner was a serious threat? Well, no, <laughs> uh, I forget who I even thought was going to win, but I, I didn't think Justin Thomas would pull it out necessarily. But I did put him ahead of Kevin Kisner. Yeah, uh, Kevin Kisner is a great player, but yeah. You know, he's seems, seemingly a good dude. Yes, he's a nice guy too, but he doesn't seem to have that uh, eye of the tiger necessarily that no. some of the other guys have. He's a little too, uh, you know, he's he's whittling on the porch, I think, maybe. Well, speaking of good transitions, eye of the tiger, <laughs> not named Tiger Woods, the 2017 Open champion, Jordan Spieth, seemingly had an all-time moment at the 2017 Open Championship when he hit the worst fucking tee shot I have ever seen anybody at the top of a leaderboard ever hit into a fucking driving range and somehow turned this all-time disgusting, embarrassing golf shot into perhaps one of the more heroic and possibly legendary sequences that we'll have in a major championship from this decade since we have not talked about the open championship yet i i feel kind of bad because there was three and a half rounds of golf before this happened but i think when people look back at the 2017 open championship it's that is where the tournament started is is it not totally what 
when you watch Jordan Spieth spray his tee shot right of right and then watch the 40-minute sequence that went on before he hit his uh, his next shot for his third, what, what what are your thoughts on this? What I mean, we'll, we'll get into the Open Championship in general, but I mean, you, you have to start there. Like, what, what was going through your fucking head when you see this guy who seemingly, you know, is the best young player in the world, two major championships in his back pocket, has a clear view of the claret jug in his sights, and he does goes and does something like that. Hits it 65 yards off target. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I, I wasn't that shocked because Spieth is capable of some fucking bad shots. Hey, uh, I can relate, brother. Yeah. People used to say it before he won a major, but they should still be saying it <laughs> because the fact is is that you can win a major or many of them while having this problem. So, okay, Spieth, it's wrong to say he isn't mentally tough because obviously he gets the job done. He's a winner. He's very winnerish. Yeah, very winnerish. But he's that, and he chokes. Golf is a wonderful game. You can choke a couple of times and still win. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives you the chance to unchoke because of the delays. If there was one hole. In a, you know, per day, not so much. With 18 chances, you know. You can choke a bunch of times in a row. You know, you can start playing like shit and hit every shot shitty and miss a bunch of short putts in a row. I mean, it happens to all of us, and it happens to professionals too. But Jordan Spieth does tend to be affected by pressure, and the only reason you can tell is because the shots are so egregiously bad. You know, it's one thing if you miss a bunch of short putts. That could be a choke, yeah. but it's hard to tell. And it's pretty commonplace. Mm -hmm. Jordan Spieth. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't just miss putts. He I mean, we all, saw what we all saw what happened on 12 at the Masters. And, you know, okay, we, we remember the McElroy meltdown where he was uh, next to a cabin that nobody had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. He had snap hooked it on 10. And it was part of a long meltdown. Snap, hook, snap hooking a driver is not that choky i mean it's it's a choke i mean yeah. that's how jim furick lost at the olympic club and sure it happens uh mickelson at yeah. shinnecock yeah but uh i know that was a slice but you know a bad driver happens from time to time um but that augusta situation uh chunking a shot from the hazard into the water and barely even got into the water he he almost wow. came close to leaving it short that is something nobody else tends to do. And this this drive at the Open Championship, it uh, it was kind of early to be that bad of a choke. Like Agreed. Mickelson at least choked on 18, and Furyk was 17 or 16. Uh, that was, what, 13? 13. And, oh, so Spieth's feeling it. <laughs> yeah. And it was very offline. One hole later than the Masters, though. He held it together for one more hole. And it was very offline, very much offline. Um, it hit a spectator in the retina. Did you did you hear this? The guy didn't get a chance to close his eye, or it went through his eyelid. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I'm actually kind of quasi making that I up. Didn't but know I mean, that. it but hit anyway, somebody so in the face. Spieth goes over there, and have you ever seen a steeper hill in your life? I Never. mean, we. I mean, that well, was something else. I've watched many Mount Everest based movies of of you know failed climbing expeditions. Never in any of those films did they ever have to deal with a slope 
as steep as what Jordan Spieth was dealing with on the th- right side of 13. What, do we know what club he hit from the drop? We do. Uh, during the telecast, they they said what like club f- it was. Was it a hybrid, like 23-degree hybrid or something? Could have been. It could have been a long iron. Because, I mean, I, from or, he's, does not he play looking those... it up directly, it was like 230, 240-ish to the pin from did, where he was at on the drop. Does he play range. those Titleist, um, yes. th- those chubby... What are they called? The, are they the CB? No, no, no. So he plays uh, like AP somethings. He, he, those he long plays, irons, yeah, though, he, like the driving iron clubs. He, he, he has a Titus hybrid with that kind of like half red, half white shaft. I don't know if his long irons are more of the cavity backs. I, that I don't know. And so did he hit that in the rough short right from there? So he hit it right. most of the way up to the green. Yes. And then he had a short side kind of shot that was a little a bit downhill, touchy. A downhill chip with limited amount of green to work with that he somehow managed to put to seven or eight feet and make the putt. Yeah, that was a, huge. A truly miraculous bogey. Yeah. It if was, there ever was one. It was quite good. And then we all knew he was going to win at that point. As soon as, for me at least, and I, I said this on the podcast I did afterwards, the combination of Kucher missing his seven-foot birdie putt Momentum and and, and speed capitalizing on his you know equidistant bogey putt, those two things combined made me think that Spieth kind of had it in you know basically Kucher's inability to not maximize the opportunity that he had combined with Spieth somehow pulling a non disastrous number out of his asshole. Those two things together, I think, combined for most people like myself thinking. He's got a pretty good chance to do this thing. Was it the next hole where Spieth almost holed out? Yes. That yes. was 14. That was really close to going in. Centimeters. Yeah. Centimeters from going in. Would have been cool. Would have been by pretty cool. Yeah, would have been when super is that, cool. Hey, that's a thing we need to talk to our listeners about. When's that going to happen? Where somebody in like a crucial moment of a tremendous yes. straight up just Duckets one right right, right into the bottom Doesn't of the hole. Doesn't it seem like it should have happened? It's happened in like sort of lesser tournaments. Like didn't uh, one of the guys who won the Players Championship hole out from the fairway? Mm. It was that guy who he might have been like five foot two. The guy who won it was in the nineties. God only knows. Yeah, I, a famous. Unfortunately, guy. I don't recall. You, you've heard of him. But sure. Anyway, uh, it never seems to happen. Like it, Tiger hold out. These on guys 16. are good enough where it will happen at some point. Tiger hold out on sixteen at that. Uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but that was hardly, you know, that filled with notoriety. Right. I'm always waiting for it to happen at the Masters on 18. Yes. Because there's nothing stopping anybody from getting that, an eagle that on that. Pin, what, it, it seems at the bottom of like a funnel of yeah. some kind. It's, it's got to happen at some point. A, a year where it's a little bit damp, you could see somebody just pulling it back off the hill there and making yeah, it. Totally. Why yeah. doesn't it ever happen? We live in a, a bad time. I, I'm going to keep know, waiting. People in the past had smallpox. <laughs> we don't have anybody eagling the last <laughs> hole or two of majors. <laughs> uh, yeah, so despite him not canning it on 14, I mean, he then goes on to, what, go five under for the next four well, holes, well, he made that pars fuck, 18. He, he made the, Spieth does that thing where he always makes incredible long putts in the dead center of the hole at perfect speed, and he did that on... Uh, 15 was it mm-hmm. yes that 50 footer yes for he made another long putt uh on the next hole or the hole after like 30 feet i, I have a, a an opinion i want to bounce off you to see what you think his celebration after he made that 50 foot putt where he looked right at his caddy and said go get that 
It was a huge hit on social media. Everybody was loving it. And I feel kind of like a wet boner for having this take. I thought it was kind of dumb. I, I go I, I I like seeing guys show emotion, fist pumping, jumping, you know, like I want to see excitement, not anger, go get that. Like I I, I don't know. I, I was not a fan. I thought it was kind of dumb. I thought in terms of celebrating I'm very much in the camp of do whatever you want, but also as a person who's grading one celebration of a monumental moment in their professional career, I thought it was kind of dumb. And I I, I didn't understand all the praise that was being heaped on Jordan Spieth for how cool and unique his go-get-that-celebration was. Am, am, I, am I just a curmudgeon? Thank God you brought this up. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have. I would have forgotten about it. You're so right. It was dumb. It, it was, was fucking dumb. It, it was bad. Yeah. Bad celebration. It was like, you know I what? grew up watching Tiger motherfucking fist pumps. A guy who could have literally punched through the skull of an infant in celebration of a made putt. And, and, and he just yells at his caddy like, you okay. know. Here, here, let me tell I, you I something. You're, Please, you're, okay. you're, you're exactly right. You couldn't be more right. And let me put it to you this way. We all love those replays where they've got the angle that that camera from the whole side takes Mm -hmm. where they zoom in on the face of the golfer. And so you're, you know, in the, the slow-mo replays, you're watching the guy's face as the ball is tracking toward the hole. As it's dropping. Yeah. Yeah. And you see nothing but the guy's face in that cut of the Jordan Spieth, amazing putt that basically won him a, a major. Yeah. You could watch that angle of it and not know whether he made the fucking putt or not. Boring, yeah, lame, yeah. boring. I agree. Underwhelming, wrong. You are supposed to walk that thing into the hole. If any of us playing golf our entire lives, when you see that thing tracking, you start going. You don't just stand stoically by, and and wait to yell at your caddy to go fetch your your object. The it, idea must be that like, oh, the putt was so long, that I'm so far away, that I can't even be bothered to go get it, and thus I'm cool because I'm that far away from it. So you get it, millennial. And, I mean, that really does piss right all over the crowd. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're here to see things happen, not yeah. infer things. Yeah. Is this the inference <laughs> uh, form of entertainment where we have to, you know, take 20 steps to realize if you're doing something cool or not? How about yelling? Yeah, right. And jumping around like you do that in other tournaments. Just do it for that. And I guess maybe he was shell-shocked from, from the fucking drive. and I don't know. Possibly. Like maybe he thought that if he would jinx himself if he celebrated. Like Maybe he's that mental. Well, I, I don't know. Again, I, I might be reading a little too much into this, but he has this awkward, weird, you know, go get that for me, you know, boy, to kind of moment at 15. And then when he finally wins the tournament at 18, after he goes in this crazy run, 14 to 17, I mean, the guy goes five under for four holes, pars 18, and by that point, you know, the, by the time he got onto the green, Cooch is trying to get up and down to save par to put the pressure on Spieth to maybe three or four putt to push the tournament to a playoff. It's basically over. He makes the putt, and it's just kind of, yeah, cool. And I'm like, you know, I, again, I, I'm criticizing the man's celebration on one hand, but I'm also, I guess, just being a, a fucking douchey stickler and criticizing how he celebrates. 
But then on 18, he barely celebrates at all. And I'm like, are you happy? Are you relieved? From what your reaction tells me, you're just really thankful you didn't blow it more so than you're really pumped that you just won a major championship. Did, did you get any of those any of those vibes at all from him at the, at the home stretch of that tournament? I got vibes <laughs> from Good. him. But I'm yeah. not sure I would put them that way, but I'm going to I'm going to share something with the audience here and with you. Okay. And it hurts me to say I have always been a huge Jordan Spieth fan. R- root for him in every tournament. Yeah, likewise. Love the way he plays, the whole deal. That hasn't changed. I still love the way he plays. And I guess I'm still rooting for him in tournaments because I think he's, you know, a historically good player. And I love watching a guy the way, you know, Jordan plays play. But the Open and the way he handled himself during that tournament and the way he handled himself afterwards and the way he just has been lately, I don't really like him anymore. And I, it's hard Personally. to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. And I'm sure he's devastated by this. <laughs> but he is... He's kind of obnoxious now. He's gotten full of himself. He's He's got a worse ego than he ever has. He's not young enough to get away with it anymore. And You know, he gave the speech, the victory speech after the Open, where he speaks to the crowd at the microphone. It was mm-hmm. awkward and not that gentlemanly. He is an awkward dude. I mean, he yeah. is 24 and he is balding. Justin Thomas put uncomfortably him, balding. Justin Thomas put Jordan Spieth to shame. Yeah, I agree. Justin Thomas gave a charming, likable speech at the at the PGA. Jordan's was obnoxious and hackneyed, and pandering. It, it was r- wrong in every way. Like the boring parts were contrived, and the the individual parts were off putting. It felt like he was going off a script. Yes, thank crowd. Say how happy I but am. Then he, but then, not even so. Like it was worse. Like he he was making bad jokes, and he didn't understand his audience. It was, and also I think the peevishness and kind of arrogance is building with him. It's still, you know, very tolerable. He's not uh, Charles Barkley sure. yet, but I I fear him slipping away. So I guess that begs the question. When the 2018 Masters rolls around, will you be rooting for Jordan Spieth to win his second green jacket? I don't know. Mm. See, Rory McIlroy is another one I've always loved, and, and you can't help but love watching him play golf. Agreed. But then at some point in his mid-20s, the guy became kind of a bore and kind of like, hey, are you fucking stupid? Or <laughs> like, are you a guy who I can relate to? <laughs> And I fear that that's happening with Spieth. So I still kind of feel that way about McElroy. I mean, he's, I, I don't hate the guy. I love watching him play. I'm generally rooting for him. But he he kind of he's turned me off uh, over the years lately. And it's yeah. not about him breaking up by phone with fiancés. You, you know, you're allowed to do that. I don't really care. <laughs> to each their and own. That isn't part of it at all. Sure. It's just, you know, he doesn't seem to care enough about golf. And he's a pain in the ass. So hopefully Spieth won't go that way. Anyway, I do still root for those guys, but I think I've gotten to the point where instead of rooting for them principally, I would root for other people ahead of them. Uh, maybe I'm a JT guy now. 
much like many girls in 1999. Well, that, uh, that, they love JT. That that begs a question, so I'll jump into it, and I'm gonna I, I got to run and uh, plug this computer in because it's about to die. So while you answer this question, <laughs> we're very professional. It, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, plugging our computer in, but it, it is actually a valid question. So if we are doing this whole, whole 2017 major championship year in review, we had three first-time winners of majors this year, but two of them were young, up-and-coming. PGA Tour players who have a what is seemingly a very bright future ahead of them. Um, between Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka, who do you anticipating having the more successful PGA Tour career? Who might win more majors? Just those two head-to-head, how do you see their career going for the next five to ten years? I think Justin Thomas is going to win more majors and more golf tournaments. I mean, first of all, he's younger, so the peak, uh, you know, we we haven't yet seen it, and I think Kepka's right in his prime. Um, Kepka also, uh, you know, evidently was a baseball player or something, and golf isn't a passion of his, I, I think, based on all the biographical information I've heard about him. So, you know, Kepka obviously totally solid, great athlete, um, isn't going to get his feathers ruffled too much, and there's no reason not to believe he'll have a good career. But Justin Thomas seems like a bit more of a competitor and more talented, and we also haven't seen uh, you know, the, the peak of his upside. So I, I have to go with Justin Thomas here. Maybe uh, he'll have more missed cuts and things like that than Kepka, hmm. but Justin Thomas will be more of a winner. Yeah. I mean, Justin Thomas, with that swing, he could always get hurt. But it seems like in golf, the guys who tend to get hurt oftentimes these days are the guys who work out a lot and are kind of muscular and maybe overbuilt for golf. So could be Kepka, even with a more under-control swing. It's pretty violent in and of itself. uh, It's very strong. And Thomas might be lithe and supple. In ways that Kepka's not. <laughs> well, the only other non-young guy to win a first major in 2017 was young Sergio. We kind of forget the year started off with Sergio Garcia winning a major championship, but still seems mildly wrong. I, I you know, it, it feels wrong. I, I'm kind of kind of over it at this point. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I like Sergio more than I used to. He's he's dedicified over the years. <laughs> although I still any guy who spits in a cup. You're, you're mentally ill. Yeah. And I don't mean that as an insult against the mentally ill. Most of the mentally ill don't spit in a golf cup. That's true. Um, once you spit in a cup on a golf course, you're you're kind of depraved in a weird way. The cap of my respect is uh, is lowered. I, I, I can only enjoy you so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, anyway, Sergio, like him more, he, he's more down to earth. He at least tells the truth. Or, or comes clean in interviews, which is mm-hmm. good, um, deserves to win a major, certainly. Yeah. I just don't think it should have been the Masters. Yeah. It you feels see, like it should have been the Open. It should have been a PGA. Or, or a PGA, <laughs> maybe. But It would have been know, so much better if it was flip-flop and JT won the Masters and Sergio Garcia won the PGA Championship. It would have seemed a lot, yeah, a lot right. more correct. It, it would have, yeah. But, all right, so, I mean, we, we've actually talked about the Masters and the U.S. Open at length. Um, in previous podcasts, if anybody has, you know, wants to know what our thoughts are on that, they can always go back, re-listen to those. But the Masters does bring up that uh, 
our good friend Billy Payne has stepped down as chairman of well, Augusta National Golf Club. That's the news you were going to say. That is the news. Well, actually, before I jump into that, you had a little something about JT that you wanted to mention no, when we were no, talking no. about the PGA Championship. No, no. I, I mentioned it. It was okay. It it was basically just about how he's he's taken the place in my heart. Yes, that okay. Jordan Spieth had occupied. Okay, and I think it's maybe uh, this is being said in corners of the internet that I'm not privy to, but uh, and and maybe I'm realizing this after everyone. But I think that uh, Jordan Spieth needs to, you know, come back down to to earth a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's getting a little bit dickish in his manner. I mean, he was humbled a little bit this past weekend. I mean, did you, did you happen to watch that uh, that playoff between Dustin Johnson and, and Jordan Spieth on Sunday? Long story short, Jordan Spieth had a you know three shot lead on the back nine, um, canned a par putt on 17 to keep it tied after he'd already given up those strokes to Dustin Johnson in the last few holes. Dustin Johnson sinks a f- crazy sliding 18 footer for par and 18 to push it to a playoff and then just Dustin Johnson just whips his dick out on the first playoff hole cuts the corner of this par four to give himself like 90 yards in when Jordan Spieth had like 160 170 or something like that Jordan Spieth can't you know make birdie Dustin Johnson from like 90 yards out you know puts it up and sinks it for a birdie and so just you know Jordan Spieth has what a three-shot lead on the back down a five-shot lead at some point in the final round blows it, loses a playoff. Do you think something like that could be good for the young man? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. To the 2017 Masters, Sergio wins. Apparently, it's the last Masters tournament where Billy Payne is the chairman of Augusta National Augusta end, National Golf end, Club. And end of an era. End of an era. Um he will go down as a somewhat successful he will. chairman. Um apparently his mission while he was the chairman was to improve the spectator experience whether they be patrons on Augusta National Golf Club or TV viewers he worked very very hard to make the tournament into one of the premier spectator sporting events in the world um, the the chairman before him used a lot more of his time to focus on making changes to the golf course you know planting more trees bringing the rough ends things like that and so now um there's going to be a new chairman starting next year, but it brings up the question, Senor Casey, if you were the next chairman of the Augusta National Golf Club, this tournament is in your hands. What what are the things you're focusing on to make the Masters as good as it can possibly be? So like I said, two chairmans ago, they focused a lot on the golf course. Wow. This last one Jesus. improved the spectator experience. You know, but, but, you know, making the TV better by making the, you know, the in-tournament experience more enjoyable for patrons. If I'm putting you in charge of the Masters for the wow. next 10 years, what, wow. what, what, what's one or two things that you're focusing on to try to make it even better than it already is? Which is a silly question because it's already the best sporting event on the calendar. But, you know, hey, dream job. They put a green jacket on your back. What are you going to do? I mean, thank you for asking. <laughs> but... <laughs> We we uh, there's a reason we all love the Masters so much. It, what can you think of to do better? I, it, it's a it's a difficult question, but you know somebody's going to have to do this. 
So somebody's going to step take in. A, take a second and think about it, though. Like <laughs> what really is the answer to that? So, okay. Let me let me rack my brain for Please. the answer to that. It's Again, very, very I, hard. I just sprouted this question on you. You had no idea I was going to ask you this. Before okay. this podcast started. Right, I've got some ideas. Okay. <laughs> Please. But, but they're, they're minor. I mean, it's nitpicking. I understand why Augusta doesn't show every shot of sure. the tournament. And lately, those of us who, you know, nerd out on golf in the middle of the night have been very fortunate. The Open Championship this year, it was like shot-to-shot, wall-to-wall coverage. It mm-hmm. was kick-ass. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we all loved that. I would like to see that with the Masters, naturally. It's a small field. Mm-hmm. It's the same course every fucking year. How can you not have cameras situated to follow every player? Agree. They don't want to get everybody too burnt out on the course. Give me a break. Who's it's gonna not going to happen. Who's going to get burnt out on Augusta? It's not going to happen. Show every shot. You know, co- T to T, wall to wall, kiss my ass coverage. <laughs> so they should have that. Other tweak, maybe you think a little bit differently about how you make the field up. Hmm. Like okay. maybe some of, I understand why they're trying to grow the game and you've got these various amateur champions. I think that's fine. But like maybe expand the field so it doesn't come at the expense of, you know, some other players in the world ranking who are, you know, 100-ish. Hmm. I don't know. Could be. Those guys are good enough to, you know, if they get hot on any given weekend, they yeah, you know, anybody, anybody on the PGA Tour, if they get hot enough on one weekend, you don't want to crowd up Augusta, but maybe add ten people who are sort of world ranking based, sure, skilled players. Yeah, do that. Oh, Jesus, um, the it's rest of it. One. Here, here's a radical proposal. Okay, I know Master Sunday, Master Sunday, Master Sunday, and Great, there's greatest th- best day on my calendar, and there's no chance that this would be implemented. But how about an 18-hole playoff? Mm, yes. What is it, three now? I could not agree more. I think the U.S. Open seems like it has a monopoly on this idea. An 18-hole playoff is the appropriate way to settle a four-day affair between professionals of their craft. And I'm, think about it. 18-hole playoff, it's the truest of tests of who deserves to win. It's very pornographic because you get the day off, you, get, you, you basically aren't working, whether you're in the office or not. If you have a computer, if you... You're not being productive. Yeah, you're just paying attention to the golf. That's it. Uh, it's two guys playing Augusta by themselves, or however many, playing Augusta by themselves for a green jacket, nothing else going on. That is fucking awesome i hadn't even thought of that until now but i am so in i'm so on board so on board i and oh of all the majors gosh. to win not only is it the best one to win because it's the best major but it has the best perks it has all the other financial and uh exemption perks that the other ones do and it has a lifetime exemption so it should be at the augusta hardest, it should be the hardest to win so the U.S. Open maybe should should consider a three-hole aggregate or a sudden death, <laughs> and the fucking Masters should have a, a full day. That is full day. That is amazing. I, I I could not agree more. I'm in. So we'll have to contact Fred Rid. 
I'm not exactly sure who the next chairman is going to be, but I think a letter to this fine gentleman would be very appropriate because it seems like the best way to make a great thing even better. It is. And here's a wild idea that actually I have no idea whether it's good or not, and it's probably not, not for the masters. What inspires it is an idea that I've heard in the past that, that I think is kind of a nifty idea, which is that there should be a Solheim Cup-type tournament, you know, a, a, a an infrequent or, or whatever the case may be, but an, an important women's tournament that's at Augusta. Yeah. I think that would be cool. I think it'd be and cool to see the It doesn't need to be near the Masters. Well. It could be a different time of year or whatever the case. I agree. But, you know, from time to time, at least, some women's tournaments there. But... What do you think <laughs> what what if there were a golf tournament on the PGA calendar that had an annual spot that had to go to a female player? Hmm. And so maybe the tour, the women's tour determines you know, how to fill that spot or whatever. Well, Augusta seems like the most inappropriate place to do that because they're, right, they're just right, right. They're, well it's know. a major and, and the likelihood of competitiveness is is you know, probably low. And you could also qualify for it as a woman just on the PGA Tour. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping a female player from qualifying for the Masters in the, the world rankings way or by the exemption way or mm-hmm. amateur championships. So That'd be cool. But so anyway, the, there's no need to have a dedicated slot, but for a different tournament, maybe. I, th- uh, I think you would make a good PGA Tour commissioner. And I, I know you were thinking about going into the, uh, you know, whatever various forms of law and, you know, government or whatever it might be. But a PGA Tour commissioner, I think you I think you could have a very viable career telling these wealthy young gentlemen who swing sticks and hit balls for a living how to best do their job. I think this is very, <laughs> very much in your wheelhouse. I think you would do a tremendous job. Well, you know, I, I've always said that uh, Southerners really trust me, <laughs> and they understand how how culturally aware and similar I am to their backgrounds. And uh, uh, since they dominate the world of golf in America, <laughs> uh, I'm sure I can uh, dictate what they're supposed to do just <laughs> fine. Uh, that seems like a really good note to end on. It does. What do you think? Well done. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate. It. Also, let me remind everybody before we go. Golf Guide is hosting an event. Have you heard about this? Is it the member for a day? We are hosting a member for a day event at Green Valley Country Club, Monday, October the 30th. It's a, it's a few months away. However, this golf course is butter. And I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, I can't believe it's not. I'm talking about grade A pure Lando, straight from the Lando Lake. Straight from the cow's tit butter. Clover Stornetta. Yes, this this is this place is awesome it is in as good a shape as any club to go to granted yes it's not cypress point but you know all things considered it is a great first class wine country country club that offers golfers an awesome awesome experience fair challenging fast greens great views i'm gonna be there golf guide is slipping the bill for you to be there as well so it's it's very likely that you and I will both be there. So if anybody wants to come, shoot the shit, and play some golf, um, come come, come play in the member for a day event at Green Valley Country Club with us at the end of October. And if any of our listeners are there and need to see us, 
uh, we're going to be not only probably wearing name tags, but also uh, easily identifiable by the throngs of women Mm -hmm. and fans who will be around us. Women, men, fans. They all want us. They all want us. I I, I agree. So we we will be easy to find, but even if you don't like us, come for the golf. I can't imagine you not liking us, but, you know, especially if you're, what, almost an hour into a podcast listening to the two of us. I mean, you obviously don't hate us. Anybody who's made it this far in the podcast, no offense to anybody, but you're you're depraved. Yeah, come out and join. So you need to play golf with us. Well, here's the other thing. If you're a member at Green Valley and you want to bring a guest out to play 18 holes, it's a hundred bucks. It's a hundred bucks just to bring a guest out to this golf course, and then you got to, you know, the guest has to pay for a golf cart. They have to pay for lunch, dinner, whatever it might be. Bro, golf cart if you're into it. A huge, nice lunch, ninety bucks. That's what, good. What else could you want? You know, if I'm just sitting around my apartment on Amazon and going to the grocery store, I'm I'm in 90 bucks deep easily. 100%. 100%. So, hey, go visit golfguide.net. Um, if you even go to the store, if you type in Green Valley Country Club into the search bar, it'll pop right up. You can sign up. Come join us for a good day of golf. Um, yeah, just go do that. Golfguide.net. You're probably already there buying super awesome discounted passes to golf courses all over Northern California and its neighbors. But you know what? Go sign up for Green Valley. Come join us. Play a nice round of golf. It's been such a pleasure being back on the show. It's, you know, it doesn't really matter how long we go while just, you know, keeping our golf opinions to ourselves. Um, It's magical. Anytime we get together and stare longingly into each other's eyes and talk about Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth's just propensity to act kind of lame, it's always magical. Well, not Justin Thomas. Not just not Jordan Spieth, I'm sorry. Don't malign my Justin Thomas. I've had a lot of nooners. A lot of Sierra Nevada nooners have been consumed for tonight's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, nooners, nooners to niners. Yeah, nooners to niners. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Uh, thank you, everybody. We'll be back soon. Until then. The balcony is closed. Mahalo. Mahalo.